Welcome everyone to another episode of my podcast and uh, I'm delighted we've got Seth back on again. It's taken me a while to um, nail him down because he's a busy, busy boy at the moment with everything that's happening in the world of kind of technology and AI and chat GPT and all this kind of fun stuff which we're going to um, uh, dive uh, dive into. But um, Seth, you know the drill. Who, what, why, when, where? And then let's see where this uh, this goes. It's good. Great to be back. Seth Mars, I'm a principal analyst on the uh, Forrester team. I spend a lot of time doing two things. One, working with clients to help solve their help solve their challenges and help them tech agnostic. And the other part of the job, which is much bigger these days, is really around the technology itself, evaluating it, understanding it, and helping translate that to customers so they can they can make the best decisions for for their businesses. Great to be back. Hence, you're, when you were talking in the green room, you're a, you're a busy, busy individual. So the title, let's get real with generative AI. I want us to kind of cut through the, I'm going to call it, I think bullshit with some of the stuff that we're seeing out there and the clickbait stuff. Not saying that we shouldn't be investigating it, but you know, high level in lay, lay terms, what is generative AI? And maybe how does it compare to more traditional AI, I guess, and GPT and and all that kind of stuff and then I think let's dive into what this means for salespeople, for marketing folk, for RevOps and and and, and let's just hear what, what you're seeing and what the what your clients are part of the sort of thing they're asking uh, asking you. Yeah so I'll give you my perspective and, and perspectives will vary right because everyone talks <laughs> to things in different ways and, and when this first came out and I mean this popped up when ChatGPT came out in November mm-hmm. and it was it just put all of this stuff on the map and you'll hear different terms. You'll hear generative AI, you'll hear large language models, but th- there's a difference in large language models. There were BERT models and, and large language models that were out there, but there's a difference between a 200 million parameter model and 150 billion parameter model. So th- the, the, the difference is just significant in performance. And when I look at like, what is generative AI, the definition I use is th- the way it's manifesting is in being able to say, I want this and it can produce it for you. Write this for me and it writes something for you. Create this image and it creates something for you. I believe it's a lot bigger than that and that the tools behind that will be able to do stuff that's actually much, much more valuable in the future. But the way that I've seen it manifested when people talk about generative AI is getting an output back that is that is something based on something you requested. So the big one for sales is, hey, generate this email for me based on these three things mm-hmm. or summarize this phone call for me into this, this small group. So it's this really weird thing where a lot of it is around, hey, create more words for me or take those the, all those words and create less words for me so and, and make it make sense. So that the, the biggest thing is, is output. Like how can I output something based to make it easier? And then how could I understand that bigger output to make it smaller, which is kind of funny. Eventually, I think those two things will collide <laughs> and we'll just start sending bullets to each other rather than uh, like a bulleted message rather than me writing out a paragraph. Because all you're going to do is put it through your engine and have it, condense it down into the bullets you need to know uh crazy when you um when you you think about it and i think you know let's kind of this is whilst open ai slash microsoft kind of made this mainstream made this mainstream in the in the in the press and kind of the the day-to-day as it's uh, as it were things like um call summaries things like drafting emails from an outbound perspective or call summaries from an analytics perspective from a coaching perspective 
it's not actually anything new, is it, in terms no. of the technology platforms that are that are out there? So why why now versus this has kind of already been there? And is that saying that organizations that have got this technology that's specific to the to the platforms haven't been using it effectively, or they have been using it effectively, and now it's just become mainstream and more people are going to be aware of this technology now exists to do those sort of tasks that you highlighted. So I think it's good to talk to two of them, right? We'll talk to the email creation side of it, and then we'll talk to the summarization side, because I think they're both compelling stories, and both, but both have a little bit different arc. The email creation piece, you're right, it's been around, but it hasn't been free, right? Like you could buy, a, in the sales world, you could buy a Lavender or a, Gener or a Reggie.ai. There's, there's providers that would allow you to do it. And they got really good at designing the prompts to actually make it useful. I think the thing that that the boost that you get with a chat GPT is one, the adoption rate is significant. It was so easy to use that mm -hmm. it just became, I've never seen anything like it. it uh, technology gets released, usually it flounders for a little while, but this was like, wow, I can do all these cool things. So it got a lot of press. Mm -hmm. And it's just relatively simple to do for those types of tasks. I think it's a lot harder to do for business tasks. We're seeing it happen, right? Like we've seen like the sales lofts of the world release a, a, a way to use it to generate templates. And so you're getting it faster than I even thought you'd be able to get it. Yep. But you need to have prompt engineer. You need to have the prompts engineered in a way that makes it really useful. And you have to have a very good use case. The big part about it is now companies that are doing it, you can do it. Technically, you can do it for free, right? You have all these sellers out there or SDRs that are signed up to, to chat GPT that will run their messages through and just copy them in. So they're like, this is great. I want it. I don't know how valuable that's going to be. The The good thing it's going to do is raise the level of communication a little bit where the, the really bad emails will hopefully go away or they're just, they're, they're going to be forced to go away because they don't resonate, right? You're like, this is really poorly written. How could you write a poorly written email in a world where I can just put it through an engine and get a good email? So that side of it is, I, I think it's, 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 it's more hype than reality to a certain degree because if you really wanted it, you could have had it. And those tools that are out that were out there before are really good. I think they just, it, companies want it. It's a great way to talk to technology. I wrote a lot last year around how there's kind of a lull in techno technology as a lot of the companies in sales tech were consolidating together to figure out how do I give you a platform option? So they weren't really innovating in great ways this year. It's like, this is a chance to innovate. Innovation typically leads to funding and a lot of these companies desperately need funding to continue pushing forward. So they have to be seen as an innovative company even if their product isn't necessarily the GPT or the, the, the gen AI products they're putting yeah. out aren't necessarily as innovative. That's, that's one side of it. The, the summarization side, I think is a lot more practical because I, I think of it in terms of CI and I spend a lot of time with conversation intelligence vendors and, and mm -hmm. writing around that space. Summarization's hard. Like before GPT, it's actually really hard to do well. And what you get in most cases is they would just do an extractive approach where you had little bullets they'd pull out of the email or out of the conversation and put it in. GPT just takes that and just blows it away, right? It, it, it can summarize, give you three bullets, tell you the actual, like it could do everything for you. And all you have to do is push it into the system and pull it back out. So it's a little bit less invasive. Mm-hmm. 
So you see companies like Clary that are that are implementing that as their first step. It's a yeah. it's a logical first step because it takes a problem that was actually pretty technically difficult to solve and makes it dead easy. Right. All I have to do is pay to push that through and then take the summary and it's really good for me. Whereas in the past, you would have to build that into your system, code it, figure out how you'd want to do it. So it commoditized summarization like immediately. And you're seeing it happen with vendors now. I can get summaries way easier than I ever could before. So that's a really good use case. Although I wouldn't say it's a very sexy one, right? <laughs> you're like, oh, cool. I can get summarization. No, nobody really cares, but everybody wants it. I think uh, let's come back to that that point in in, in a minute because I have a, I have a view on um, on that. But let's go back to kind of email and I guess more broadly copy. And to your point that hopefully this means that there'll be better written emails than you know that, that spams into my inbox. You know, the stuff that I check every morning. It's like it's not even getting to me because my my spam filter is just going you know hard no or the emails yeah. that um, that we're we're getting. It's the old adage: if it's, if it's if it's starting on bad data, it's going to give you a bad outcome. We've got you know examples of GPT, you know hallucinations in terms of just spitting out stuff that is just not relevant at all, factually in, incorrect. Do is there a? And this is a leading question. I should never ask a leading question, but I'm going to anyway. I fear there is a potential where. You've got this is a broad brushstroke statement I'm about to make, but you have um time poor sellers where you've got management still have the view if you crank the handle harder at the top and put more in to get more out in terms of emails, this is still a good a good thing and different things will um will happen. Is there a risk we're just gonna get just shitty AI generated copy? Could be email. Could be content on on um, on LinkedIn. Second question: Should we be declaring? And I know Justin Michael has a view on this. Should we be declaring if copy, be it an email, what have you, or be it um, a, a post on social media, is a hundred percent AI generated? Second one I'll say is no, and I'll talk to that a little bit, a okay. little bit more. I think I'll answer that question in the first in in the first part of it. Mm -hmm. um, I I don't. I don't think that's going to happen and because it's already happening, right? Yeah. Like it's it, the amount of shitty emails that you get every day is, is catastrophic, right? Like, so I, I find it hard to imagine how you can give me a bigger bunch of crap than I'm already getting today. <laughs> um, and, and you can see it in the response rates with customers. Three years ago, when you looked at how many touches it would take to get engagement, mm -hmm. it was eight touches. Now it's 14. Customers are being desensitized to all of this outreach. Mm -hmm. So that's my hope to say, I'm not going to just get this. This becomes a gigantic spam cannon that's going to that's going to allow them to do more. My the, the value in it is potentially being able to use it to do better. Right. Mm -hmm. So instead of giving me an email, that's the generic email that you sent to 5000 people today. I'm getting an email that's actually taking data that you understand about me, looking at my specific position, and you're giving me something that's actually relevant. So I think the quality level is going to go up. And I think that's going to be a pro like the biggest disruptive factor with that is that's going to be the bar, right? You can't, the bar to enter is going to have to be 
personalized at a level that's never been available before. Now that's not here yet. Mm -hmm. You could see it a little, I mean, you, you work closely with Microsoft, but you could see yeah. it a little kind of coming through with Viva yeah. sales and some of the prompting they're doing and how they're starting to pull data in. That's a way harder problem to solve. But to me, that's where the real value is, is when you can start feeding in some of the stuff that you have in your system to be able to enrich those. The, the good part about it is I can get better content. So I think the, the biggest output is going to be raising the bar on the quality. Mm -hmm. But I, I think it should lead to, the, if you're smart about how to use it, you should be using it to make better, to create better quality messages for the people that you're engaging with. You shouldn't just be, like the whole idea of just spamming a whole bunch of people that you think are in your target market is idiotic. Like it doesn't work. Most, it, you want to you want to engage with people that want to engage with you. If you're trying to just figure out a person and hope, you know, I'm gonna yep. I'm gonna send this all out and just hope somebody responds. Ideally, you'd be a little bit more targeted than that. the The other thing is, if you look at engagement platforms, they have they have ways they they won't let you spam. So yep. even if you wanted to, most yep. of these platforms have security measures in place that won't let you just blast email a bunch of different people because if you do that it hurts them yeah they get blacklist like so there's already a i think sales engagement in general platforms in general drastically increase the ability to send out a bunch of mails and a lot of those things have been put in place so now i may be being optimistic right where it's like oh because like one of the things that came up out of this that kind of justifies what you're saying is the number of submissions to writing contests has gone up by like 50x because everyone just takes the prompt, puts it in GPT, has it spit out something, does a couple of revisions and, and sends it in. And it's it, it, so you get that I could see happening big time. But from a sales environment, I think there's some some parameters there that and I, hold it back. I I I applaud your positive outlook on uh, on life on uh, on on all of this, and let let's hope it it is the case. But I'm going to pick up on a word that I believe you used with intention is be smart. And again, I'm not saying that sellers aren't smart people, but they have a pretty hard time of it in terms of everything else that's happening, and especially what's happening in the tech and tech industry over the last you know twelve to yeah. It's been a bloodbath, and it's you know, it, it, my heart goes out to those individuals that unfortunately. You know, have have lost their roles. I, I, I fear that some organisations are using AI as a um, mechanism to make some streamlining um, uh, decisions based on you know we all know what's going on in in the um, in, in the in the past to get us to where we are to um today. Mm -hmm. I, I'm 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 not I'm not sure, but let's let's see where this um, where this goes on the conversation. I'm going to come back to the the Microsoft Copilot bit in terms of your own data because. I wholeheartedly agree with you. I don't think we've got anywhere near the tip of the iceberg yet when these things can start to run on your own internal systems, but I want to come to that in, in, in a second. So the conversational intelligence piece, for me, I think is a, certainly my world of professional services, but I think I don't think we'll ever get there in terms of calls being being recorded, but maybe you know, internal conversations and so on, and summarizing meetings. I, I believe for me is a massive, still huge untapped, opportunity if you are Great. 
trusting the technology to now give you something that is that is correct and add in the the conversation and i've experimented admittedly it's the free chat gpt i'm not paying for a gpt um a gpt4 but i've summarized some i've read the article then ask it to summarize it for me in a way and ask a human being and it's off it's way off the mark now people have gone you may be asking it the wrong thing i'm going yes but i'm behaving like a human being where the natural thing yeah. is you know, just summarize this article for me you know as you would do to um uh to to a human but i feel that there is a huge coaching enablement opportunity here in this conversational ai piece and i think it's really exciting for me in terms of where generative ai can go to then be that coach to, to mm-hmm. start suggesting based on what what they're summarizing and what they're hearing but then analyzing you know eons of your own data and calls or, or, or sales processes and we're now kind of segueing into into where i want to um want to go because i've had a conversation with this uh, earlier this week with a global tech company around deep sales and, and sales navigator and you know the intent data that sales nav is now um spitting out there and i was saying to all these sellers i said you you sell this stuff every day you know the gates you know what happens next at this point you know that you need to tell them now bring in the cpo now bring in the um the CFO, because you've done this a gazillion, well, you should know, marketing should yeah. be able to follow the breadcrumbs in terms of what's what, what's happening. Now, that is hard at the moment, but my hope is this is then where we can start to see some some game-changing, game-changing stuff, which if Copilot does what Microsoft says it can do on your internal data, and I saw a video yesterday in Power BI, and I was like, holy moly, if it does half of what that. So rather than me having to go to a Power BI team, I can sit with, assuming the data is decent in a spreadseet, you can just go, please. Big assumption. And someone yeah. with this in this, I want this, and can you do this? And, you know, showing quasi uh, real time, the pitch decks, pitch documents, all that kind of really heavy lifting stuff in tech, it's likely to be repeatable because you're responding to the similar shape RFP the questions are going to be similar, yet you're spending the set all this time rinse, you know, starting again, starting again. If Microsoft and I'm assuming Google can do this, and it'll be interesting to what, see what you're hear what you're hearing from clients around this. Organizations can get over the privacy bit. I know Microsoft are now spinning up, you know, private Azure AI um, things. They yeah. yesterday or the day before. It's the 25th of May today, by the way, 2023. All the plugins are going to mirror the open AI plugins for, for developers. That for me is really, really, really exciting. But w- what are you hearing from your clients on actually allowing this technology to go into you know highly confidential client data? Yeah, I mean it, it's better than I thought it would be. Okay. Like it's I mean the the Actually, I mean, a lot of a lot of companies, there's a fine line that vendors that are using this need to walk, (laughs) because if I'm a vendor, if I if I want to use this data, how long until you've integrated it so deep that you can't unintegrate it? Right. This is like six months old, eight months old, where people have really been been on this. Do you really want that deep of a relationship with open.ai on a product that potentially could be commoditized within a year, but you're stuck because you've integrated it so deeply into your product that you can't unpick it? Yeah. You have to be really careful. That's why I like companies that are doing some of the surface stuff to at least say I'm looking at it and working forward, but not necessarily diving in 
completely just yet. They're surveying the, the landscape and deciding what to do. But I agree with you. One, I think you can't get the, the generic responses are not going to be good enough to be valuable in your products. So okay. you're going to have to integrate it with your data and your, you talked about this too, right? The summarization example you gave. Yeah, I may need to write a prompt and do it the right way. I'm not doing that as a user. So the company that I'm asking to summarize is going to have to do that for me. They're going to have to give me, give that prompt the context with which you want to write it the type of call, how I'm going to use it, what it's going to look like so that I get the, the summary I want. You can't just throw it into GPT and give it back and expect it to be perfect. So companies are going to have to be able to, to do that to get value. And I think that's where the, the, the real game-changing stuff, like you talk about that all these companies are painting the picture of what could be, mm -hmm. which it's super exciting, a little bit scary, Yep. I mean, really crazy stuff, but the reality is I'm still taking calls every day around saying, oh, I don't have duplicate accounts in my in my <laughs> inbox or in my database. And I have 14 different names for the, or 14 different contact records for the same person. And, oh, I have no way to integrate my, you know, my CRM data with my ERP data. Those are problems that, yeah, you can wish them away, but they break sales technology all the time they keep a lot of these amazing tools from being valuable all the time so that work needs to be done we're not going to be able to just magically make that go away and we may be able to supplement it right there's smart people with these with this technology that are figuring out all sorts of cool ways to use it so hopefully they'll use it to be able to solve some of those but not yet i mean most of the stuff is just like hey we're getting started it's not super exciting like yeah. that being said, like exciting is a, is a relative word these days because it's exciting in the context of the vision that's being painted. Yeah, I think it's actually pretty exciting that I can get good quality email. One of the biggest gaps, if you're a if you're a development rep, revenue develop sales development rep, or a seller, is how do I write good content? Mm -hmm. And if I can break that gap and actually create a sequence of value, that's actually pretty good, but it pales into comparison to some of the futuristic stuff that's being said today, which isn't really real. <laughs> Glad you said it because I was thinking it. Um, so yeah, right. But you can see it like, oh, I made it work in this real, like the co-pilots, I made it work in this really constrained environment. And look how cool it is. It's like, well, you built like 800 parameters around it. So it did exactly <laughs> what you wanted to, to do. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm on the so on the same page. So let's let's stay with with copy and content because I think for for most sellers, the visual stuff is not really relevant for them. For me, to your point, it is copy and the written the written word. Now you said this could help SDRs or BDRs start to craft better um, emails, more um, more personalized, subject to you know where that might. Um, uh, where that might go and what data you're sourcing that from, of, of course, and notwithstanding public data versus private data, and are you two wedded to one to one thing? But I was um, chatting with David uh, P. Fisher the other day, and he posted about kind of this AI piece, and I feel that if I had an interaction with a rep and it was all AI, but I didn't find that out until I actually met the person, I would find that quite disingenuous. 
and he described it as imagine you were on a dating app and you found your ideal partner and there's lots of conversation going but all they're using was fundamentally a conversational chatbot to all intents and purposes to to to, to create that conversation you'd be pretty upset going well that's not you so where 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 um, there, there is i don't think there's an answer to this where does one draw the line to is 100 percent we just go the parameters are set the security parameters are set in terms of spam we know it's x touch points we know it's you know you know, you know justin michael triple or email email linkedin touch phone da 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 where do we draw the line where actually you don't need a human to do that at all if you can have a command and control center and i'm thinking you know um, what's the movie with uh, meryl streep and the drone uh attack and it was all being done from basically the guy was in wherever it was in arizona commanding the drone else, else elsewhere and the, you know, the 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 humanity behind um that but that's not going on that route you get the gist of what i'm saying i'll shut up yeah well i mean the the thing that i would say to that is yeah i'd be really disingenuous and i'd be pissed if that transition when it happened proved that what you said before you didn't have a clue of what you're talking about right like it, it's but if that transition happened and it was seamless, yeah, I, I don't think there's any problem with that. The, the thing that I see happening is a lot of the periphery stuff that was actually really hard to do is now going to be very easy to do. And that humans are going to have to find the, the little pieces that are a layer. So I almost see it as like zooming in, right? Like we were here before and it was really hard to do all that stuff here. Now we're going to we're going to cut all that stuff off and now our our lens is going to be a little smaller. Yeah. So as a seller, you're going to have to find the key points in this with this technology to be human and to be different. Because think about it, if we're all using these technologies and tools, we're not going to be different. Right. And then if that if that truly happens, then why do I need a, you need a seller and why do I need a buyer? Why don't I just put my requirements in and have the have the companies put their requirements in and we'll just blindly buy whatever works best right and then it's just an automated process yeah i think we're a long way away from that but to me i always see it as the lens getting a little bit closed in a little bit more and as a seller you're going to have to figure out okay i can do all this stuff automated which you'll have some sellers that'll get super good at that and they'll they'll win right now and then they'll slowly lose that advantage and they'll have to find the next advantage isn't hasn't that been sales forever right like it's yeah. <laughs> finding that next level advantage as buyers try to exclude you from the process or do different things it's i that's that's where i see it it's just going to make the lens a little bit smaller like that you're going to have to be a little bit better the, the part that I talk about a lot with sales technology is how do you get it to the to where a seller has an unfair advantage against their competition? Mm -hmm. From like if you can get technology where it gives you an unfair advantage against your competition, well, if I can take all that stuff and automate it and really focus in here, yeah, I have an unfair advantage against anybody. Like I so you just have to make and it may be that point you're talking about, right? Like if I'm a really good seller, I'm gonna have to figure out how do I transition from the AI conversation and make it seamless mm -hmm. to the conversation with me. And it's gonna take you extracting all the insights that came from that conversation into tangible points that you can just build off of. That sounds easy, and you're like, oh yeah, we'll do it. But it's actually really hard to not sound like an idiot after your bot has talked through this entire process and they hand it <laughs> off to you to have a meeting with that person where that person's going to expect you to understand everything that happened. Yeah. Which I guess then we come full circle to kind of conversational intelligence that is there a, is there almost a minority report future where your AI assistant is then 
prompting you based on this is everything that's happened until this point. This is the person. Now you're into a human conversation. Let's guide you in terms of the human conversation based on what we've uh, what we've seen. Um, I think you know maybe to your point about bot to bot. You know I'm I'm piloting the new version of um, uh, Outlook, and it's it's got it's got predictive in email and it's got predictive responses in email. Things at the moment like um, yes that's you know confirming a meeting you just go like yes that's fine or great thank you and you literally just hit a button and then it responds and goes and then as it as I'm typing it starts to try and figure out what it is I'm trying to type and I can hit tab which is similar to what Grammarly yeah. is doing um, Grammarly is doing now. <laughs> I guess to your point, we could get to a point where it says one click responses and it's just then self-generated. But I come I come full circle, notwithstanding your, your caveat about um don't get too wedded into a technology, which is why I think my Microsoft and Satya Nadella has played an absolute masterstroke in, in all of this because they are big time. They're dominating the market, right? They're dominating everything. As I said, I'm, I'm trying to write a piece for um, a professional services magazine on how I think business development and marketing professionals can start to think about using ChatGPT in their internal um, internal roles. I keep emailing the editor going, sorry, Microsoft announced three things yesterday. <laughs> I need to go back in and, um, and redraft it. And as I said, we are recording this on the 25th of May, 2023. By the time you're listening to this, there may well be a slew of other things that are um, that are coming out. But I, for me... Once I can get my hands on on Copilot, if you're in a Google, you know, if you're in a Google environment, Bard and whatever they're um, they're doing, we're seeing Salesforce are bringing it in. I that for me is where it's going to get super exciting in terms of the the potential opportunities. But you know, to to your point, I really like that that example of you've got to be smart, you've got to understand. We need that seamless handover, and then this is about how is this giving you an unfair advantage? Which actually, if we if we think about the overall narrative about buyers, if we believe the research, not would prefer not to have a salesperson in the process. They're not saying I don't want to have a human being in the process. It's I don't want a salesperson because all they do is sell, 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 sell. So as I'm thinking, we're talking, are we potentially going to see a reinvention of actually the sales industry and what sales is and we know to be true from my recruitment days of cold calling, smile and dial, get you know, get get your chair back when you made your six appointments and all that kind of stuff, because that's all yep. we could do. You know, email, we then had social selling, digital selling, and the evolution that you know sales nav is now going to this. It is is this a moment in time over the next five years? Actually, I think Brent Adamson wrote a piece around this around sales and marketing being obsolete before any of this came out. That now's the time to reinvent your process. Yeah, it's already been happening, right? Like if you're depending, like it's if you're not using technology and if you're not using the signals you have, it's the way that you'd sell. How many door-to-door -door salesmen are there these days? Not really a big job, right? Because I'd have to knock on a thousand doors to get one person to open it for me. That's a lot of work walking down the street. Now you may be able to make it work if you have enough technology to be able to do significant volumes of calls and only get the ones that come in where they actually activate and, and want to talk to be yeah. able to make it worth your while. But the math doesn't work anymore. And we know that buyers are activated. Like our data shows buyers activated by sellers, 13%. 13% of the time they're activated. They're usually activated these days because the, the, the buyer is doing their own research and decides to bring the seller in. 
So I, I, th I, I agree. I think the role of a seller is changing, but it's just going to, it's, it's a, it's a move to value, right? If I'm a seller, what's my value that I'm adding to the process? It's it, as a company, you're no longer an activator. You're, you're the person there to be able to bridge the gap between what that customer thinks they need and what your product can do to meet that need and show them why that should be the case. The, the thing that's going to happen, I think it goes back to kind of the, the narrowing of the scope is that problem just got a lot harder for you, right? Mm -hmm. It used to be yeah. like, I remember when I was buying early, early in my career, it'd be like, okay, I need to buy something. I'm going to call five vendors. I'm going to have the salespeople come in and present the five things. And then based on those five things, I'll make my decision. I don't need to do that anymore. I'm going to call them after I've done all my research and I'll bring the vendors in, probably cut three of them out, two of them out, yeah. bring three of the vendors in, and they're going to get a lot of really difficult questions from me. And you're going to be able to win or lose that deal based on your ability to show me that your product can do it. That's the skill of today's modern seller already. And it's just going to, it, I think the moral for me is, is time to, it's time to step up. Right. I mean, the, the days if you can't if you can't change or you're refusing to change, you will be obsolete faster than you ever have been in in, in human history. Right. Because change yeah. is happening so fast. So if you're like done this job for 20 years, I do these types of things and you're going to keep doing that. You are going to really struggle if you embrace it and say, how do I make myself better? How do I throw off the things I never really wanted to do anyway? and take the things that I can do and make them a new and improved version, I think those people are going to really succeed with that. And I think that's played out across human history, right? Like it, it's, it's that you're, we're always leveling up. The crazy part about this is the leveling up is, is almost like what the hell's going on. Yeah. That's happening so fast. I think you raised some, as always, some really insightful, interesting points there, which I know that, you know, there is now this narrative, you know, in kind of tech sales that are oh, we moving back towards a full, full cycle sales rep. And I remember back in the day, I was recruiting sales professionals um, way back when, 15, you know, 15, 17 years ago. Uh, sales professionals into the IT and tech sector, so for telco companies, for uh, software companies. And there were three roles. It was new business, account management, and channel. And that was it. <laughs> Pre-sales. Yeah. Fundamentally, it was like, are you a new business? Yes, because you've got to earn your stripes in your business. You manage that relationship for a year, possibly 18 months, depending on the deal size. And then you hand over to an AM who then is responsible for just landing and expanding with, with, within that. And then channel was basically, I always, this is this is mean, but I always thought channel was the lazy marketer, the lazy salesperson because you were getting other people. He was basically ba built really good relationships yeah. with salespeople at channel, at channel organizations to make sure they were pushing your products and services and just took the cream off the um, off the top. And then we are where we are to um, today. This, of course, doesn't exist in the world of professional um, professional services. But you know, to your point about refusing to change, reinventing the or redesigning the, the process, maybe are we going to see that in some sectors and some technology vendors that we go back to that that approach? I, I mean, say that again because I don't think I got. Are you saying so are you go back to the full cycle? So the rep owns the 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 deal, cradle to grave. So there's none of this SDR BDR handing over to an AE and and on the the, set, the seller uh, like I did way back when. I mean the full cycle rep. Yeah, the, here's the thing though. I I don't know if that's changed too much. Software has really built up the the SDR BDR role. I think there's a play for it. Like to me, I wouldn't want the seller to be engaged until there's actually a reason for the seller to be engaged. So it it may just partition it down to new business to hand off to do the qualification. But th that's 
even though it's out of vogue to a certain degree, most full cycle reps are doing that anyway. And they're using their, they're, what I'm starting to see is new ways to use the SDR and the BDR almost right. to be able to support you in your net new business growth or penetrating. So if I have a gigantic account, I use my SDR to penetrate and help me get contacts and relationships in different departments I can't work in. Yeah. But me as a seller, I own all the, I don't have my SDR do cold calling into accounts that I already sold into. That's my job. I understand that. I, so it's, uh, I think it'll, it'll become a hybrid more and more. I think there's some situations where you'd never do it, especially once you get into established businesses. Yeah. But you, you also, there's a, there's a bridge point with that too, right? Because an SDR in a net new role has a role, but the CSM is getting a bigger role as companies build. So it's almost like it levers, right? Net new, you have, the SDR becomes really important to help build the business. And then the CSM is not as important. And then as you build the business, it, it kind of rotates. So it's, it's going to evolve. It's got, and then the S what's happening with the SDR role is they move to something like an ADR. They become that account executive. It's, it's kind of an, it's an interesting shift, right? The account executive starts driving those initiatives and pushes them to places they want them to go. So it goes back, right? It's, yeah. it's not a binary, this, that, this or that. It's how do I want to use those roles? Now you may come to the conclusion. I don't need those roles. I want my seller to do X or the yeah. cost, the cost analysis doesn't really work. But I always look at look at it from how can I leverage it, and is the leverage going to give me enough growth to justify the roles? And if it's not, then you make changes. If it's if it is, then you you drive the heck out of it and do the best you can. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. So, um, I mean, I'm going to assume all the listeners are 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 tinkering with it, are experimenting, are you know aware of it. But what would be your kind of top tip, top three things to help them? you know, shape the conversation internally with, with leadership around, you know, because they are going to be aware of it as well, but back to your point around refusing to change. What things do they do now, which is cost-effective to help kind of evidence that we really need to be thinking about this? Yeah, I mean, you should understand what's happening, but also know that it's not a rapid push. You shouldn't be going and buying an Azure cloud with GPT to try to figure out how to do all this stuff on your own, unless you have a specific real world use case that you're going to do it. But if you're in sales, I mean, to a certain extent, you need to get your one of the recommendations I've made with clients is you. Get your own house in order, because when this thing's going to be really good, it's going to be really good using your data. So if your data sucks then none of this stuff's going to work anyway. So you're just looking at a shiny object that has potential versus something that could actually drive business. I know that's like, oh, you're, you're kind of, you're, you're, you're killing my buzz. That's the narrative for years. That's the thing with AI. It's always been, you've got to get the boring stuff sorted first, which is your data architecture, your data structure and all that kind of stuff. Otherwise, to your point, you can put a shiny new layer of stuff on it and still have crap out. <laughs> Yeah, and, and you know, nobody wants to admit it, but productivity has been dropping in sellers. Mm -hmm. So based on the stuff that we've seen, and they've never had more access to tools that do all have the potential to do all sorts of cool things. Well, why is that? It's because the thought approach, the, the way that you thought about implementing it has been more around, oh, wow, this is, I can record calls. Let's just throw that to my, to my seller. Yeah. Well, you got problems if you just throw, you need to understand what you're doing, how you're going to do it. I mean, I, I know it's not, it's not really, you know, exciting, but there's some fundamental stuff here that if you really want to succeed with these tools, you 
probably should work to get an order and then you'll be able to run. Like if I have, if I have a strong structure that I, and I know exactly what I want to do with these tools, how they fit into my tech stack, how they evolve and work together with everything else, then you've got a real chance. But I think most companies really struggle with that problem today, despite all the cool stuff that's around them and fix that stuff. And then you'll get tons of value out of this ahead of your competition. But that doesn't really, that doesn't sit that doesn't like resonate in a board meeting, right? It's like, oh, you mean you want to clean up your customer data? What do you mean clean up your customer? Didn't you do that already 10 years ago? Like, no, you didn't. Nobody has, but it's, yeah. I think you heard it there. Be real, go slow, fix the boring stuff. And then when that's kind of in order, that's when you can start to really, 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 really tinker. Um, Seth, it's been absolutely brilliant, as always, to have you on as a, as a guest. Um, I can put your link, people come and follow you on LinkedIn. I know you're talking about all this. We'll put some forest research stuff um, in the stuff down here on YouTube and in the body of the, um, of the podcast. If you're not following Seth, I urge you to please do. He posts some brilliant, brilliant content, thought content. All of your colleagues, actually, at Forrester, I think, you know, do some re really great stuff and help you kind of lift the uh, lift the little lift the lid a little on uh, on all of this. So, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Seth. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always great to be to have these conversations. And uh, as always, uh, if you want to be on the podcast, you know what to do. If you want to recommend people to be on the podcast, you know what to do. As mentioned, this was recorded on the twenty fifth of May. 2023 so by the time you're listening to this other stuff's happened it's not our fault we can't keep up <laughs> but until next time uh, i'll see you next week on uh, on next week edition but thanks for uh, thanks for stopping by